This is Paul Davy, Yield Point Specialist for Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHF Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. Wind gusts of 30 to 40 miles an hour are with us to start the day, and a winter weather advisory is in place for the Red River Valley and Devil's Lake Basin. Austin Perot is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service office in Grand Forks. Um, it's going to be continuing through the morning hours, so we are going to see some areas of blowing snow with that. Um, at this time, we don't think it's going to be widespread enough, to, or we're not really expecting any blizzard conditions this morning. Um, the snow crust um, that we've had has held true overnight, so that's the good news. Um, but we do at least still expect the areas of blowing snow this morning. And with that, we're also expecting temperatures to cool off through the day. Um, by this evening, probably getting close to at or below zero. Once this cold front moves through, the region will move into the deep freeze. So by around 6 p.m.-ish, we're probably going to be at or below zero, and we're probably not going to be leaving that below zero for a while, at least through the weekend. And with that, obviously, we are going to expect some dangerous, um, hazardous to dangerous wind chills. A change to North Dakota's farming, uh, corporate farming law will be considered in the North Dakota House Agriculture Committee this morning. It would modify how farms are defined in the Century Code, opening it up for the expansion of animal agriculture in the state. That hearing begins at 8 o'clock. The House Agriculture Committee did not act on two bills related to the makeup of the North Dakota Beef Commission yesterday. There was a committee created to clear up procedural issues with House Bill 1436, which was introduced by Representative Mike Belts of Hillsboro. North Dakota Stockman's Association Executive Vice President Julie Ellington spoke in favor of the other bill dealing with the Beef Checkoff Board, House Bill 1275. As the discussion plays, played out over the, uh, the course of the interim and through the interim study of the Beef Commission, it became apparent to us that, that many either were unaware or maybe hadn't utilized the process, the current Beef Commission process, which allows for broad industry representation and mechanisms for all producers to be considered for at-large positions. And that's why our board decided to um, thought the refinements that's reflected in the bill before you would be appropriate additions to increase awareness and transparency about the process. Sam Wagner represented the Dakota Rural Council testifying in opposition to the bill. We still believe that direct democracy is better than the appointment of individuals from an elected official. More applications would mean more options, but ultimately it's up to the governor to decide who gets in or who wants to stay away from certain reforms, or if he wants to stay away from certain reforms. The way the current system is set up will only keep working towards the status quo and real reform is needed in the Beef Commission. Along a party line vote, the Minnesota House voted for, a, for the state to generate electricity from 100% carbon-free sources by the year 2040. Majority Leader Jamie Long said climate change needs to be addressed. We also know that it's having more serious impacts like the severe uh, rain events that we are seeing with increasing frequency on our farms and in our communities and infrastructure. And it's also impacting some of our Minnesota icons like the loon and the moose that are getting pushed out of our state. Representative Chris Swizinski is the ranking member on the House Climate and Energy Committee and is opposed to the legislation. Will electricity be cheaper in the future because of this bill? Absolutely not. Will it be more uh, available when it comes to reliability? Absolutely not. One, 
the reason why that is is because the technology doesn't exist. There was a motion to allow rural electric cooperatives to modify or opt out of the directive, but that was voted down. The Senate is expected to pass the bill next week and send it on to the governor's desk. Deputy Agriculture Secretary Jewel Bronaugh is leaving USDA. Bronaugh released a statement saying she is stepping away from this role in the coming weeks to spend more time with her family. Bruna previously served as Virginia's Agriculture Commissioner, as the Farm Service Agency State Director, and the Dean of Virginia State University's College of Agriculture. After poor performance in 2022, rail service is improving with increased grain car loads and train speeds. However, USDA Grain Transportation Report says the number of unfilled grain cars is record high. Barge rates and freight rates have fallen in recent weeks and are below the levels seen a year ago. According to the weekly DTN report from ag retailers, fertilizer prices are at their lowest level in more than a year. The drop in fertilizer prices follows a decline in natural gas values. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota House Agriculture Finance and Policy Committee met yesterday. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Representative Rick Hansen presented House Bill 47 regarding pollinator research funding. Hansen says a version of this bill was presented to the committee during the 2022 legislative session. It relates to an account that was set up in 2017. In 2022, former Repres Representative Kelly Morrison carried House File 3007, which included $2.5 million uh, for the pollinator habitat and research account. In last year's conference uh, report, the account was kept alive. It was changed to a research account, but no funds were put in it. Uh, I was waiting to see uh, what the governor's recommendation would be, and I'm pleased that they had recommended 100000 a year and ongoing funding, but I'm asking for it to be laid over and we can come back with an appropriation. It would be my intent for a one-time appropriation for $2.5 million, which was the bill that was last year. Hansen is hoping positive action can be taken during this year's legislative session. This is a proposal that we came forward with last year, like in the spirit of cleanup and catch-up from bills that did not make it last year, that we try to get it across the finish line this year. The bill was laid over until an amendment could be made. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Emergency relief program phase two covers shallow losses not accounted for under phase one. North Dakota Farm Service Agency Executive Director Marcy Spenningson says since the second phase is being based off of revenue, it says that second phase is being based off of revenue and not loss. Sign up actually began January 23rd and it's going to go until June 2nd. And it's kind of a shift from how we typically have delivered disaster programs in the past. In the past, we tend to have uh, looked at a single disaster or a targeted commodity. With ERP phase two, we are now looking at revenue-based programs so that if a producer is going to be eligible, they need to have, be able to measure a decrease in revenue in order to apply for ERP Phase 2. Svenningson does not expect farmers to receive the same coverage as Phase 1 because the first phase was so successful in North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota was the highest recipient of ERP Phase 1 states in the nation. We received almost $1.1 billion 
for producers in ERP phase one. Calving season has begun for some and is on the way for many others. Talking nutrition, Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. In a cow-calf operation at a single moment, a cow's diet can be supporting up to three generations, including herself. Devonish nutrition, ruminant nutritionist, Dr. Amy Lutz explains. Well, if you kind of think about it, once a cow is bred, she usually still has her calf at side. And so a single mouthful of mineral then is nourishing the cow herself to keep her body functioning, run her immune system, meet all the needs she has for milk production. It builds nutrients into the milk that's delivered to the calf and that supports that calf at side but then she's also reconceived and so she's carrying a fetus that's also developing so you're nourishing that developing fetus as well so the single mouthful of mineral you're feeding three different generations at one particular time so it's really quite interesting to think how you can have such an impact with just a small intake while it's especially important to provide adequate nutrition through calving and breeding seasons, Lutz reminds producers that cows are in a constant state of production. She suggests providing vitamins and trace minerals throughout the year. Think about feeding minerals year-round to their cows. Um, because that cow is continuously in a productive cycle, um, she really needs vitamins and minerals throughout the year, not just at certain points in time, although we do see benefit to specific um, feeding or elevating the amounts of vitamins and minerals we're feeding during um, intense times of production like calving or breeding. Reporting for the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. South Dakota Congressman Dusty Johnson has reintroduced two bills to increase competition in the cattle packing business. The proposal allows for the financing of cooperative stock for producer-owned processing facilities and establishes a grant program to assist with new construction or expansion planning and compliance. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. NDSU Extension Cropping Systems Specialist Ryan Beto says drought, input costs, and temperatures are all issues corn growers are facing. No, it's a pretty common thread. We found that I mean, drought is, is really our, our worst issue. You can't really grow much with you know less than 10 inches of rain and some situations five inches of rain, right? So I also asked, you know, what was our number two, number three, you know, length of growing season is a major issue. Um, heat, uh, once you get above that 86 degrees, the efficiency of that corn plant really gets greatly reduced. So especially when that hits right around tasseling and silking. Also, weed control can be an issue. Plant stand, you know, we are seeing some soil pH issues in our reduced tillage systems. And Beto says Western North Dakota new varieties of corn, reduced tillage, are all helping fight the lack of moisture in the soil. The past couple of years, right towards that, getting close to that reproductive growth, depending on your maturity, we're seeing just a lack of moisture for several years. It's so dry out there that we can see cacti growing out in fields. So it's uh, less than ideal for corn, especially. Because of that, most of our production is in reduced tillage. One of the great benefits of no-till is that we do see an, a large increase in water holding capacity. You know, if you get a bunch of rain early on with reduced till, we have that soil armor so we can hold on to that moisture for a longer period of time. But if you don't have a very consistent stand, you can see some yield loss down the road. USDA's ag attache in China expects the country to import a substantial amount of corn from Brazil this year 
with Brazilian corn prices competitive with the domestic prices in China. China's corn production also expected to increase slightly with a bigger crop in the northern China plain, more than offsetting lower production in China's northeastern production area. A little lower this morning in the wheat market, down five and a quarter as we speak for March Minneapolis wheat, nine twelve and three quarters. Chicago wheat for March down three. Hard red winter wheat, March down six. March corn, one and a half lower, six eighty one. New crop corn down one and a half. Soybeans are mixed, March down one and a half, and November new crop soybeans three cents higher, priced at thirteen fifty five and a half. On the farm calendar, the North Dakota Galvey Association has its annual meeting coming up uh, tomorrow night and on Sunday, the Golden Rule Sale. That'll take place in Mandan. Also on the farm calendar, the East Polk County Crop Improvement Association meeting and program will be on Monday. Speakers include Ag Commissioner Tom Peterson. And the American Sugar Beet Growers Association annual meeting is uh, starting this weekend in Washington, D.C. It will continue through Tuesday. The Red River Farm Network will have broadcast coverage from that event. And American Crystal Sugar Company has its grower seminars next week, uh, February 1st in Fargo, the 7th coming up in Grand Forks, the 9th in Grafton. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.